Hello everyone. This is List Verse, the Religion Section, July 14, 2014, by Zinsky L., the author. Fact Check by Jamie Frater. Ten Scandals That Rock the Vatican. The Vatican is one of the most secretive institutions that the world has ever known. Yet, over the years, it has been rocked by numerous scandals, all of which threaten to tarnish the Catholic Church's carefully maintained reputation. For example, number 10, and I'm going to say it very slowly, Nazi-friendly priests. Some bishops and priests have been accused of helping high-ranking Nazis escape justice, at the end of the Second World War. One such bishop was Alois Hudal, in charge of a priest training college from 1923 to 1952. Hudal openly shared his pro-Nazi views and is believed to have helped dozens of senior Nazis flee. A recently discovered telegram between Hudal and Hitler only incriminates the priest further. A Croatian priest, Krunoslav Draganovic, has also been accused of playing a key role in organizing Nazi escape lines. Recently, Harvard professor Kevin Magdigan has argued the Vatican was aware of Hugh Dahl and Dragonovic's actions, even endorsing them as a sort of papal mercy program for national socialists and fascists. However, other historians in the Vatican itself have disputed Magdigan's claims, arguing that Hudal's pro-Nazi views caused frequent clashes with the papacy. According to this view, if senior Nazis ever used the church's refugee program to escape, it was only by hiding their true identities from church officials. What are my thoughts on that? The Nazis... And the Vatican are into suppressing Jesus, eradicating Jesus, terminating Jesus, exterminating Jesus, obliterating Jesus. Ending Jesus, revoking Jesus, removing Jesus, and nullifying Jesus. They're into destroying Jesus, overthrowing Jesus, overturning Jesus, invalidating Jesus, demolishing Jesus, uprooting Jesus, pulling up Jesus, rooting out Jesus, erasing Jesus, canceling Jesus, cancer culturing Jesus, extinguishing Jesus, prohibiting Jesus, rescinding Jesus, reversing Jesus, aversing Jesus, repealing Jesus, annihilating Jesus, setting Jesus aside, nullifying Jesus, annulling Jesus, declaring Jesus null and void to do away with Jesus, stamping out Jesus, undoing Jesus, throwing Jesus out, putting an end to Jesus, inhibiting Jesus, dispense with Jesus, cutting out Jesus, raising Jesus, ravaging Jesus, and squelching Jesus. Number nine, the Vatican bank scandals. 
The Vatican Bank, officially known as the Institute for the Works of Religion, has been plagued by scandals for decades. Its major troubles began with the collapse of Banco Ambrosiano in the 1980s. The traditional Catholic bank has had made a series of unsecured loans to mysterious Panamanian shell companies, transactions which were facilitated by the Vatican Bank. After uh, Ambrosiano collapse, the Vatican denied any legal responsibility but was eventually forced to pay around $224 million to various creditors. Suspicions remain that Ambrosiano had been involved in laundering money for several Italian gangs, especially after the bank's chairman, Roberto Calvi, was found hanging from Blackfriars Bridge in London, England, with bricks in his pockets. The head of the Vatican Bank, Archbishop Paul Marcinkus, was protected from arrest by the church. What are my thoughts on this? The Vatican is into abusing Jesus, misusing Jesus, the debasement of Jesus, the degradation of Jesus, the desecration of Jesus, injuries to Jesus, damaging Jesus, harming Jesus, hurting Jesus, wronging Jesus, committing injustices against Jesus, insulting Jesus, the mistreatment of Jesus, the violations of Jesus, the malevolence towards Jesus, the mishandling of Jesus, the mismanagement of Jesus, the pollution of Jesus, the defilement of Jesus, the perversion of Jesus, not caring about Jesus, not respecting Jesus, no veneration towards Jesus, and auction blocking Jesus. In the 1990s, a group of Holocaust survivors and their heirs filed a class action accusing the Vatican Bank and the Franciscan Order of collaborating with Croatian fascists to conceal the proceeds of looting during the Second World War. The suit was eventually dismissed, but not before causing further damage to the bank's reputation. More recently, there have been scandals, including the seizure of bank funds by Italian magistrates, the ouster of bank head Ettore Gotti, Tedeschi amid accusations of negligence in the arrest of Monsignor Nunzio Scarreno for allegedly using his account with the bank to smuggle millions of euros from Switzerland to Italy. So, what are my thoughts on that? The Vatican is into... Being the accusers of Jesus, the prosecutors of Jesus, being the plaintiffs while Jesus is the defendant, being the adversaries of Jesus, and they are the opponents of Jesus. Number eight, prostitution rings, gay networks, and blackmail. The latest sex scandal to taint the Vatican began with the arrest of Angelo Balducci in Gennetto Oham over allegations of corruption and running a gay prostitution ring. Balducci was a member of the Gentlemen of His Holiness, an elite group of ushers who served at the Vatican during major occasions. Oham was a former member of an elite choir at the Vatican. 
Italian authorities first stumbled onto the prostitution ring while investigating Baldacci, a moderately prominent businessman over corruption allegations. Wiretap transcripts published by Italian newspaper La Repubblica revealed detailed conversations between Balducci and Ahim about the ring. In 2013, La Repubblica published details of a 300-page report by the Pope's committee to investigate the Vati Leaks scandal. The Doisia revealed the existence of a so-called gay conclave, a group of senior clergymen united by sexuality said to engage in sexual activities with male prostitutes at organized parties. The report hinted that this may have resulted in top Vatican officials being blackmailed by outsiders. There have even been claims that the issue is linked to Pope Benedict's resignations. This is actually insulting to gay people and sex workers who are looking at the Vatican like, why are y'all throwing shade at us? You motherfuckers are ruining it for people like us. We're not hypocrites about it. We're upfront about who we are, what the fuck we do. So what am I, are my other thoughts on this? Jesus is being accused by the Vatican. Jesus is being arraigned by the Vatican. Jesus is being indicted by the Vatican. Jesus is being incriminated with the Vatican. Jesus is under suspicion by the Vatican. Jesus is alleged to be guilty by the Vatican. Jesus is apprehended for the Vatican. Jesus is held for questioning by the Vatican. Jesus is held liable by the Vatican. Jesus is under attack by the Vatican. Jesus is under fire by the Vatican. Jesus is being implicated by the Vatican. Jesus is said to be criminally involved according to the Vatican. And Jesus is being charged with felonies and misdemeanors by the Vatican. Jesus is not being acquitted by the Vatican. Jesus is not being cleared by the Vatican. Jesus is not being honorably discharged from the Vatican. Number seven, my feelings. The church is trapped in relationship with Italy's powerful criminal organizations ranging from the Sicilian Mafia to the Calabrian Drangheta and Capanian Camorra has long been difficult to define since it often revolved around what the church did not do. For many years, the Vatican declined to denounce the gangsters. 1964, a powerful cardinal even claimed the mafia didn't exist. It's supposed crimes merely part of a communist plot to tarnish Sicily's reputation. Pope John Paul II didn't even mention the mafia on a visit to Sicily, even though it coincided with a bloody outbreak of underworld violence. Meanwhile, powerful local mobsters often sought to justify their acts of violence with a cloak of faith. The church's reasons for failing to confront the gangsters are complicated. Arguably, they date back to 1861 when Italy was unified for the first time since the Dark Ages under the House of Piedmont Sardinia. As part of this process, the Vatican lost much. The Vatican lost most of its Italian territories, infuriating Pope Pius. 
the ninth, Pope Pius the ninth, who declared himself the prisoner in the Vatican. The church did not fully reconcile the Italian state till 1929. In the meantime, the church looked to deal with alternate sources of local authority and the mafia fit the bill. The Cold War also played its part as many gang leaders aligned themselves with the cause of anti-communism. The relationship has soared in recent years, starting with Pope John Paul II's denunciation of the mafia in 1993. The mob responded by blowing up two churches. Recent statements by Pope Francis demanding that mafiosi repent or face damnation has been met with anger from certain quarters, and it's now speculated that the Pope could be a target of Italy's powerful underworld clans <sighs> what are my thoughts on all this the Vatican values abstaining from Jesus. The Vatican, when they see Jesus, they think of the word refrain. The Vatican refrains from Jesus. The Vatican renounces Jesus. The Vatican withhold themselves from Jesus. The Vatican avoids Jesus. The Vatican stops Jesus. The Vatican deny themselves of Jesus. The Vatican refuses Jesus' offer for Christ-likeness. The Vatican declines Jesus' offers of redemption. The Vatican shuns Jesus, evades Jesus, tries to cease Jesus, does its best to keep sending cease and desist letters to Jesus. The Vatican does without Jesus. The Vatican starves themselves of Jesus. The Vatican have nothing to do with Jesus. The Vatican lets Jesus alone without doing any Christ-like work. The Vatican says, do nothing when it comes to working for Jesus. The Vatican keeps themselves from Jesus. The Vatican keeps... Swearing off Jesus. The Vatican, when it comes to work for Jesus, they go, oh, we're going to lay off ourselves when it comes to him. The Vatican have no hand in Christian discipleship. The Vatican refuses to take the Jesus pledge. The Vatican refuses to join Jesus. The Vatican refuses to indulge Jesus. And the Vatican refuses to... work their hands and feet for Jesus. The Vatican goes on fast. They're fasting from Jesus. They try to dispense with Jesus. They try to hold back Jesus. They don't want to gorge Jesus. The Vatican is into the non-indulgence of Jesus, and the Vatican is into the renunciation of Jesus. They they want Jesus to deny himself. 
They want Jesus to restrain himself. Meaning, no wrath and vengeance should come to us even though it is rightfully deserved. Baby theft. A recent investigation has revealed a number of secret networks of nuns, priests, docs, and nurses who conspired to steal as many as 300,000 Spanish babies. Over the course of at least five decades, many Spanish hospitals often run by the church told mothers that their children died during or after childbirth. If the mothers insisted on seeing their babies, they were often shown an infant's corpse. The babies were then spirited away for adoption by quote-unquote approved families. In some cases, they were sold to child-free couples for large sums. Among the first to be charged is an 87-year-old Catholic nun sister Maria Gomez. She is accused of snatching an infant from her mother and giving the baby up for adoption. The revelations are reminiscent of the Chilean baby scandal where priests and nuns forced single mothers to give up their babies so they could grow up in quote-unquote traditional families. Single mothers who refused were given anesthetics during delivery. When they woke up, they were told the child had died. So the Vatican is into victimizing Jesus, maltreating Jesus, offending Jesus, oppressing Jesus, perverting Jesus, molesting Jesus, harassing Jesus, the deep Craving Jesus, tainting Jesus, corrupting Jesus. Jesus is abused by them. Jesus is wronged by them. Jesus is injured by them. Jesus is harmed by them. Jesus is hurt by them. They ill treat Jesus. They try to overwork Jesus. They try to impair Jesus. They persecute Jesus. They try to ruin Jesus. They try to mar Jesus. They try to do wrong to Jesus. They try to spoil Jesus. They try to impose hatred upon Jesus. They try to pimp and prostitute Jesus without his enthusiastic consent. They tried to sell Jesus' soul to the devil. Number five, Vatty Leaks. It's true that you can't find good help nowadays. Just ask Pope Benedict, who was betrayed by his own butler. The butler, Palio Gabriel, released copies of confidential Papau documents, which are now properly known as the Vatty Leaks. Over the course of several years, the butler secretly copied the documents using a photocopier shared by two other Papau secretaries before leaking them to Italian journalist Gia Lugui Nutzi. The book Nutzi authored Your Holiness, The Secret Papers of Benedict. <sighs> These Roman numerals. Ugh, hold on. That's why I've been pausing, so I don't so I'm not unnecessarily ignorant. Pope Benedict XVI paints a picture of corruption 
gossip and power struggles inside the Vatican. There have been suggestions that Gabrielle was only the fall guy and that the leaks were actually the work of a network of clergymen out to undermine the Pope. See, this is what I mean. It's like, I'm, I'm starting to think that religion teaches people how to be monsters. Like, I've always felt that when it came to even the back end and when just religion in general, The Vatican has an admiration for wickedness. They praise wickedness. They have a deference for wickedness. They have the approval of wickedness. They they hold wickedness in high regard. And they hold wickedness in high opinion. Number four, homosexuality. Homosexuality in the clergy is a hotly contested subject that has deeply divided the church. The issue is further complicated by the various forms it takes. Priests who are gay but celibate. Priests who actively engage in gay sexual activity. And priests who endorse homosexuality in contradiction to church's official policy. Okay, pause. I don't think priests should be celibate. I'm talking about the good ones, okay? Um, whether they're gay or straight or bisexual or queer or transgender... Or just gender sexual diversity in general. I think homosexuality should be a good part of the church's official policy, meaning I think homosexuality should be approved of in the church's official policy. And it says according to Catholic catechism, homosexual people are to be treated with compassion, respect, and sensitivity. That makes sense. However, homosexual acts themselves are contrary to natural law, which is bullshit because gayness is natural for people who are gay. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. Bullshit. Because to be true to thyself and to the ones that you're with and they're true to you and they're true to themselves too Sounds like true living to me. They do not proceed from a genuine, effective, and sexual complementary. I will never understand how the private life of gay people is somehow the equivalent of throwing Jesus into hell. I don't understand how. It's like attraction does not automatically mean
the dismantling of moral excellence. God is not offended by gay people. Religious people are offended of gay people. Then it says, under no circumstance can they be approved. I say, fuck that. Because... There are plenty of gay people who love the Lord. I would say our gay people are better at loving the Lord than straight people. Transgender and queer people are better at loving the Lord than cisgender people. Wow. So LGBTQI plus people are more Christ-like than heterosexual cisgender people. So queer people are more like Jesus than cis-hetero persons? Yes, 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 yes. Recently, priests such as Raymond Schaefer, who came out during a mass, and Father Gary Mayer, the openly gay author of the book, Hidden Voices, Reflections of a Gay Catholic Priest, have challenged his doctrine. I'm so thankful for that. Pope Francis' recent statements on homosexuality has sparked some hope in the gay Catholic community. As you know that the Pope is not exactly pro-gay by today's standards. He she definitely should be. Because you can be sold out for Jesus and have a same gender loving mate. Because there are such things as Christ-like gay marriages. Christ-like transgender marriages. Christ-like queer marriages. They do exist. And you have Christ-like gay partnerships, Christ-like transgender partnerships, and Christ-like queer partnerships. They do exist. It's called the majority of LGBTQI plus marriages. I've never heard of gay divorce being extraordinarily high. When it comes to cisgender heterosexual people, on the other hand, yes, the divorce rate is extraordinarily high concerning them. It says, furthermore, he is just one man of changing the course of the, of the church is easier said than done. Well, these are the same people that lie about being pro-life because of the baby theft I read to you earlier. So you're born to be my stolen property. I'm like, I'm amazed y'all didn't yank the fetus from the womb. There, there's nothing pro-life about the Vatican after all. I would say the pro, I would say that the Vatican, they claim to be pro-life, but they're anti-family and they're anti-choice. Number three, child abuse claims. For decades, the Vatican denied all knowledge of child abuse cover-ups within the church. However, it has been suggested that a recently discovered Latin document from 1962 might just prove otherwise. The document bearing the seal of Pope John... These Roman numerals really are getting on my nerves. Pope John 23rd. Lays down a policy of strict secrecy in dealing with claims of sexual abuse and even recommends encouraging victims to take an oath of silence. Those who refuse to comply with the policy of secrecy risk excommunication, which also means disfellowship. 
Pope Benedict has been accused of failing to act in a case where a U.S. priest was accused of abusing as many as, many as 200 and deaf boys. So there's also ableism in the Vatican. There's adult supremacy in the Vatican. So the Vatican is into the excommunication of Jesus because the Vatican has already disfellowshipped Jesus. Okay, let me get back. The former Pope allegedly refused to respond to letters from American Archbishop while serving as a senior Vatican official in 1990. Pope has strongly denied ever attempt to conceal cases of sexual abuse. So the Vatican has a Christianized rape culture. The Vatican Christianizes sexual abuse. The Vatican Christianizes sexual assault. The Vatican Christianizes sexual violence. The Vatican Christianizes sexual bullying. The Vatican Christianizes mass sexual abuse. The Vatican Christianizes child sexual abuse. The Vatican Christianizes children with disability sexual abuse. The Vatican has its own climate of fear and culture of fear. The Vatican has its own silences, violence, culture, and a climate of silences, violence. So the Vatican plays dumb even though they're actually stupid. So the Vatican is its own sex abuse cult. Woo! So the Vatican is bitch made. The Vatican is suffering from bitch assness. I'm not disrespecting women when I say that, those words. I'm talking about Punk assness. That's what the Vatican celebrates. I think the Vatican should experience mass prosecutions and mass incarcerations. That is how unholy the Vatican is. They are ungodly towards Jesus. The Vatican sees accountability as anti-Jesus. The Vatican sees accountability and responsibility, especially responsibility, as anti-Jesus. Number two, celibacy. Celibacy has long been mandatory for anyone hoping to join the Catholic Church, clergy, but I think it's bullshit because that should be optional. I'm talking about the good priests, not the pedophile priests. The practice is believed to date back to apostolic times, although it didn't become universally adopted in some areas of the Middle Ages. Notice Jesus didn't prescribe celibacy to the Vatican. It was self-imposed. You can't Christianize that. According to the church, celibacy is practiced as a sign of commitment to the faith and the emulation of Christ. With support for allowing priests to marry on the rise, which I'm a part of, I'm like, yay. 
The topic has become a hot issue in the Catholic community, which it shouldn't because pulpiteers fucking suck. Pastors fucking suck. I'm talking about good pastors, not the abuser types. I'm talking about the good preachers and good pulpiteers, not the bad ones, okay? Pulpiteers fucking suck. I'm talking about the good pulpiteers, okay? So, why can't bishops and archbishops and prelates and presiding prelates, how come they can't fucking suck? I'm only talking about the upstanding ones. It's much easier to praise Jesus when you quote-unquote praising Jesus. <sighs> the law has led to its fair share of scandals, cases of sexually active popes, bishops, and priests date back centuries, of course. You can't stop being human no matter what you label yourself. And religion does not exempt you from sexual yearnings. You know, with some senior clergymen even going as far as to have secret families. uh, Catholic papas are rolling stones for the Prince of Peace. That's how they define peace. Ooh, did I go there? I purposely did. It's fun. A recent case where 26 women petitioned Pope Francis to allow them to marry the priest they love has only pushed the debate further into the spotlight. I'm thankful to those women. Reformers are pushing for the acceptance of optional celibacy, including me, which they say could help reduce sexual disorders, pedophilia cases, clandestine affairs, and legitimate children. I agree strongly on these things. I would say any pope, any preacher who is a victim of mandatory celibacy for right now should start their own church where they can act out their urges in a God-approved way without being sickos. I would say life imprisonment sentences for the pedophilic priests. Now, they're the ones that have to go. You can't um, use sexual urges to say, well, I'm not allowed to have sex. That doesn't give you the right to find children sexually attractive. Mm-mm. You need to get treated for that. I would say you need, you need to go to prison where they can, where, you know, a child sexual attraction therapist can help you overcome that attraction kids. So celibacy and pedophilia are never the same thing. Don't ever get that twisted. Um, number, Lastly, number one, American nuns versus the Vatican. You think with all the scandals the Vatican has been embroiled and they'd be the last to court another. However, the Vatican is now picking a fight with the Leadership Conference of Women Religious, the largest organization of U.S. nuns. They, the Vatican Christianizes misogyny The Vatican Christianizes the devaluation of women. 
But Jesus is for the... For the fondness for women. Jesus is for the high esteem of women. Mm. The issue began with an apostolic visit, basically an eternal church investigation, which led to the discovery of alleged serious doctrinal problems and a reprimand of the nuns' behavior. The group has been accused of challenging the church's teachings on male-only priesthood. I say that's a good thing. And homosexuality, I say that's a good thing. And for only feminist themes such as abortion, the use of contraceptives, all beautiful things to me. Pope Francis has now appointed an American bishop to reform the group in what is seen as a crackdown on radical feminism. American nuns, however, aren't taking this lying down. Already a 50,000 strong petition has been raised and seven groups of U.S. Franciscan friars have condemned the crackdown as too excessive. I agree with that. With a number of recent protest vigils outside churches, the stage needs to be set for an epic showdown. I say hell the fuck yeah. There needs to be healthy infighting in the church. The actual Jesus pleasers versus the actual Satan pleasers. All I can say is... Isn't that rightly dividing dividing the word of truth? I just love to poke fun at the hypocrites. It makes me genuinely smile. (sighs) So there you have it, folks. I just want to now talk about this. It says, how not to argue like an idiot, the 15 most common logical fallacies. The Protestant tradition is founded on reason the scriptures, whether it's Martin Luther standing before the Diet of Worms, C.S. Lewis apologetically defending the faith via radio waves, or Jonathan Edwards detailing the philosophical argument for the captivity of the soul. We are a community founded on the ability to reason. But I've used and heard plenty of bad reasoning from Christians. The fa- the following list is composed of some of the most common logical fallacies. I've chose to limit it to only those I've actually heard in the last couple of years. Yeah, I... Reason and the scriptures. Reason usually doesn't go together with scriptures because a lot of theists make it that way. <sighs> Warning, I think logical fallacies have limited value. Citing logic as the ultimate end-all of argumentation is a self-logical fallacy. It is a circular argument. I believe logic is uh, authoritative because that's logical. And it's an appeal to authority, logic. That doesn't mean, however, that it's useless. Logic is a good tool. It's not an authoritative tool. In other words, um, the goal is intellectual humility. Something that religion shies away from. Either way, whether you write or preach, communicator, beware. Number one, ad hominem. Attacking someone's character rather than their argument. Um, I was sitting with my friend a few weeks ago debating the significance of a Greek word when he blurted out, well, they all translate it that way because theologians want people to go to hell. So that reminds me of Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees. The Pharisees would use ad hominem attacks when it came to their losing 
debates with Jesus. And a lot of religious people like to control who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. We own the keys of heaven, not God. We we own the keys of hell, not Satan. Okay, number two, straw man. This essentially comes down to stating the argument of your opponent in a way they them, they themselves wouldn't have said it. I've heard countless terms in hyper-conservative circles portraying non-Christians saying things I've never personally heard a non-Christian say. That's what I call making an ass out of yourself by making baseless ass assumptions about people. Because when I really think about it in a deeper way, they, a lot of religious people stereotype secular people because they're too punked ass to actually converse with secular people because they know the secular people are brighter and wiser than they are. Number three, false analogy. In our age of creativity, this is probably the most common. How many times have I heard a debate quote unquote set up because one person used a beautiful analogy to illustrate their point? All analogies break down at some point. We need to know when and how in order to analyze them. But religion doesn't tell people how to interpret figurative language, but it does tell people only make interpretations based off literal language, and that's it. Literal limit, literal interpretations, literal language. Um, figurative interpretations, figurative language. I'm like, nah, that's not how the fuck it's supposed to be, damn it. Number four, slippery slope. The argument that the extreme of a position must be true as well. I heard a Catholic radio DJ say that if we didn't take the body and blood of Christ literally, we'd have to throw out his deity and the gospel self as well. Or we might say if we allow homosexuals to marry, we must allow humans to marry dogs and cats, multiple partners, etc. Well, most people are heterosexual, cisgender, to my knowledge. Um, They don't marry dogs and cats, multiple partners for the most part. Most gay people don't marry dogs and cats, multiple partners. And... You know, being Jesus cannibals is unhealthy because you're violating his human rights by thinking we should actually campfire him and make him a camp meal at a camp meeting. No, no. This is a different argument than the lesser to a great argument by the very same principle that this also must be true. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Um... Appeal to ignorance. You can prove you can't prove God doesn't exist, therefore He does. Once again, it's slightly different than saying scientific evidence doesn't apply to metaphysical realities. No one can prove scientifically for or against the existence of God, so both scientific sides of the argument are irrelevant. Um. I agree with the appeal to ignorance when it comes to the, um, what science says about God existing or not, you know, it's up in the air, it's not set in stone. 
Number 14, begging the question, assuming your premise is rather than explaining them, killing animals is wrong because it's just plain gross, homosexuality is wrong because it's disgusting. Um, homosexuality is right because of the fact that there's more than one way to enjoy being fully human with other fully humans. Sounds like logic to me. And when it says killing animals is wrong, okay, are you killing animals just to kill them? Now that's just wrong because there is no logical reason to do that. There is not, no healthy incentive for that. These aren't arguments. They're begging the question. Yeah. Begging the question means talking shit out of your ass, crack. Number 13, red herring. Continually changing the argument rather than following it to its conclusion, also known as when asked a blogger why Jesus claimed to be God, he said a whole host of other biblical passages about God being one. You can't use the Bible as evidence for the Bible. You have to use non-biblical sources to either confirm what's in the Bible or deny what's in the Bible. You can't use something as proof for itself. Number 12, argument from consequence. Because we don't like the consequence, the argument must be false. If we believe in the gift of prophecy today, anyone can claim that we speak God's word. Well, the fact that you have secular people out here automatically destroys that argument. And that's fear-based communication which is something religion thrives in. Um, I feel that when also when they talk about word-for-word conversations in the Bible, that game of telephone doesn't help out the Bible. I think that's an ancient habit. Um, Verbatim, word-for-word talks, there were no eyewitnesses, so there was no one to remember, record all these conversations. And most people were illiterate back then, which I think Jesus should have made a miracle of literacy. That would have been my first miracle to them, actually. But if you're going to have eyewitnesses, were they writing it down as they were talking in terms of paper or they were writing it in their head? Because when you hold something in your head long enough and don't write it long enough, you will play the game of telephone. You will communicate what was not properly communicated. So the whole word for word verbatim is not true because decades after these alleged things happened, That means that the Bible writers were old with memory lapses and it may have shown in the religious text. Number 12, number 11, a meaningless question. Assuming that all questions are logical, also known as, can God create a rock so big he can't lift it? That's like asking, can God create a lack jinja? The question itself is illogical. God could do the impossible, but he can't do anything logical. When they say lack jinja, they're just 
speaking in gibberish on that one. I recently had someone ask me a meaningless question about my interpretation of a text to which I replied, what if I asked you the same question about different verses of the Bible? The question was the problem, not my befuddled inability to answer. Yes, I believe to some extent that there's such thing as dumbass questions and crazy-ass questions because they ask things for entrapment purposes. They don't ask things for healthy satisfaction of one's intellectual curiosity. Number 10, moral equivalence. Citing one complex moral event as being identical to another. Abortion is just like the Holocaust. No, it's not. No, the fuck it's not. That's some anti-Semitic ass shit to say. A medical procedure is not the same thing as a human rights violation called genocide. Abortion is done out of compassion. The Holocaust was done out of a lack of empathy. Discernment doesn't harm anybody. Number nine, false dilemma. Giving two extremes is the only alternative to a position when really there are multiple positions, also known as if you don't believe hell is eternal for everyone, you're universalist. I fell into this one day when I decided my reasons I think guys should embrace singleness instead of waste their time dating. My friend corrected me by noting that his modified experience of dating allowed both he and his fiance to continue to take advantage of their singleness. Well, false dilemmas are also false choices. It's a way of trying to make people think, damn if you do, damn if you don't. And it doesn't have to be that way all the time. Life is not the splitting psychological term, meaning, you know, all the way good, all the way bad. No. Life has as a mixture of, of duality and duplexity. Complexities and dichotomies. Number eight, psychologist fallacy. Assuming that we are an unbiased audience, for example, citing our personal reading of scripture as the objective reading everyone else's as quote unquote human opinion. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like control freaking. And that sounds like... I have to Resident Evil zombify people because... A lot of people use religion to turn themselves into zombies. Number seven, correlation equals causation. Assuming that because two things happen simultaneously, one caused the other. For example, I've heard professionals say that listening to classical music increases intelligence because studies done indicate there's a correlation between the two. Later on, we found out this was bogus considering all the other factors. For example, those who listen to classical music generally come from elitist cultures, generally indicating wealth, which means the family can afford better education. Um, Something outside of you doesn't increase your intelligence. 
Something that's in you, meaning you being who you are, you increase your own intelligence. Number six, argument from authority. I need to be careful here because I believe ultimately all of us, us argue from authority, whether it's the authority of logic, experience, emotions, tradition, or the Bible, but still, we are to avoid arguments purely from authority alone. I must have a reason why I believe my authority is authoritative. Maybe a better way to say it is argument from human authority. After all, if our premise that God is omniscient and omnipotent is accurate, he doesn't need to give us premises. That's the whole point of the book of Job. We, we, sh- we would do well to recognize as well that the Reformation debate was over whether humans could claim divine authority, but the assumption of divine authority dictates truth. Mm. That is truly... I would believe... Argument from compassionate authority is my response to that. Number five, confusion equals cost. This argues that because we don't understand something, God must be the solution because science can't explain what God must be responsible. No, we can't always insert God because if you always require religion to answer mysteries, religion has some inbuilt mysteries, so you can't do that. What does God have to do with the missing blanks, the unfilled blanks? If you always have to use the Bible when it comes to God, then why is it okay for Jesus to only be inside the Bible? But to be honest with you, I don't see Jesus in physics books. I don't see Jesus in chemistry books. I don't see Jesus in biology books. I don't see Jesus in astronomy books. I don't see Jesus in geology books. I don't see Jesus in mathematics books. I don't see Jesus in earth science books. I don't see Jesus in zoology books. I don't see Jesus in botany books. I don't see Jesus in social sciences books. I don't see Jesus in paleontology books. I don't see Jesus meteorology books. I don't see Jesus natural science books. I don't see Jesus ecology books. I don't see Jesus in computer science books. I don't see Jesus in genetics books. I don't see Jesus biochemistry books. I don't see Jesus in oceanography books. I don't see Jesus sociology books. I don't see Jesus anthropology books. I don't see Jesus archaeology books. I don't see Jesus economics books. I don't see Jesus formal science books. I don't see Jesus physicist books. The only books that I see Jesus depicted in in at length is the Bible. So Jesus resides in the Bible, but Jesus doesn't reside in all the types of sciences literature. Wow. Mm. I have not seen overwhelming scientific evidence for prayers, miracle signs, and wonders. And the Bible is filled with lots of scientific inaccuracies, too, according to scholars and scientists themselves. So yes, there are logical fallacies in religion.